what we've got here is failure to communicate. Yeah, I'm Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. With Nick Eagli. So we're going to break down the upcoming event this weekend. Uh, we have Ryan Spann against Anthony Smith. Um, going to be a banger for sure. So first, uh, you know, first up on the card, this was a, a fight that I was looking ahead to to try to see, you know, I just wanted to sort of see if there was anybody that was out of whack as far as odds or anything that didn't make sense. Uh, see if you can jump on some action early. So we had Hannah Goldie that was sitting in the, you know, plus 100 range. She didn't really move too much from there. It was like, well, plus 110, sorry. Um, so she has a quick turnaround against somebody, Emily Whitmire, who was virtually fought hardly at all. She's fought twice in 2020, lost both, both of those fights, and then won her fight in 2019. Um, you know, she's slick with submissions. She does have some decent striking. She does have a little bit of a reach advantage. Um, she's not going to have a power advantage, in my opinion, or, or really a size advantage when it comes to grappling and being in some, you know, situations on the ground. Um, for me, I just don't know if I can see Emily Whitmire finishing this fight anywhere or even winning minutes in this fight. I see Hannah Goldie. I don't see it being a very entertaining fight, to be honest, but I see Hannah Goldie, you know, pulling out a victory on this. You know, potentially there's a late finish at the end, only out of the fact that if Emily Whitmire is really out of touch. I, I doubt it. She's probably come back and she's, she's you know, digging in. But we'll have to see. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this. I've been pretty high on it. So Hannah Goldie, um, I think one of the plays we'd be looking at would be um, just straight up. And then on top, or parlaying her in would be a nice little situation. Um, I do like the over two and a half because it does cover a potential late folly. Maybe Hannah's tired and, and, and Whitmire catches her. Or maybe, um, you know, Goldie rides it to the decision, but two and a half, over two and a half, I like is possibly one of the safer bets. Um, how do you see it? Um, awesome. I see it going the exact same way, man. I've never really been high on Emily Whitmire. She's a 500 fighter, you know, four and four. And like her game plan is, you know, she's going to try and throw a jab, throw a leg kick, try and push Hannah up against the fence. Hannah's going to be a lot stronger. She's got a lot of better striking she has a little bit of a ground game in herself too so i just don't really see a path to victory from Lee whitmire her last finish was in 2019 against alexandra aldu who is three and two she fought uh bambito which is a mean striker and you know i said there's a little bit of recency bias there she's taking this fight on short notice one thing that's noted is that it's at 125 instead of 115 where both girls generally fight but I think that honestly plays into Hannah's advantage more. And I think it will just help her nullify the ground game, you know. So that is, good, that is a good last point, actually. Because um, if she doesn't have to cut the weight, she's got a quick turnaround. So she's fresh coming out of the last training camp. She doesn't have to go through the drastic thing of cutting weight. This could be uh, a disaster for Miss Whitmire. So, and honestly, you're getting plus money on it. So you may as well take it. Hannah, by decision to me, is. Probably where it's going to go. She's not really known for finishing a lot of her fights. So you get the extra 50 points there or whatever. But Hannah straight up isn't a bad bet as well. All right. You heard it there. Nick Eaglack calling for Hannah Goldie by decision for a, a greasy prop. For me, um, you know, I'm, I'm Mr. Safe. Play it safe. Mr. 
we all blew up, but I still catch a couple over-unders. Um, <laughs> so for me, I, I like the over two and a half. Um, that is a, a safe bet. But you know what? If we were looking at something that's a little bit more of a, a stretch dog or a, you know, a prop play, that's a safe one, man. I had a goalie by decision. So let's move over to the second fight on the card. We have Gustavo, uh, Gustavo Lopez against Haile Eletang. Um, this fight is both very interesting and uninteresting at the same time. Um, I'm not high on uh, Gust uh, Gustavo Lopez. Uh, um, not overly impressed at points. There's, there's times when I see people that it's almost like they give up in a fight, even in the middle of, in the middle of a fight. And I just, when I want to put my money in on somebody, I'm scared to put my money in on him. Um, we have a guy in, in Haile Alatang who's likely going to come in, use range initially. Um, you'll probably see some grapple heavy situations. How do you see this fight playing out? Um, I just want to touch on this one quick and, and we'll move on to one we're probably going to talk a lot on would be um, Impa Kasangane against Carlston Harris. So how do you see Gustavo, Lop uh, Gustavo Lopez and uh, Haile Elitang playing out? Um, in this fight, I'm taking Haile Elitang just based on the fact that he's more of a complete fighter. The one thing that did worry me whenever I was looking at the stats for this, though, is he absorbs 5.82 strikes per uh, minute, where with Lopez, he hits like a Mack truck. So I think all Haile has to do, though, is get past the first round. Lopez does tend to fade a little bit. So as long as he can play this fight smart and stay away from his big shots, he is the better striker. He is the better grappler. So it's kind of his fight to lose, in my opinion. So I would just honestly, that's the way, like, I see it going. Like, I just think Haile will be able to take advantage of it. You know, there's always a chance that Lopez catches him clean. But, you know, I just, I'm a lot higher on Haile than I am on uh, Lopez on this one. It's a little bit of a greasy fight, though. I mean, I'm with you on that. That's that's my pick. If, if somebody wants to hear what's the pick on this fight, we got to pick somebody, right? Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm not touching this this one with a temper pole. I think I, I threw. We have Impa Kasangane against Carlson Harris. Um, I'm pretty high on Carlson Harris in this spot. Uh, it's not to say that Impa Kasangane. I'm I'm just because you know he's coming off that loss. Um, to Buckley, but for me, it's when somebody's so muscle bound, and then I have somebody who's, you know, pretty durable. I could see them going into later rounds. I could see them catching a, a submission because maybe Impa is a little bit lazy on, you know, some clinch work. I, I know he likes to stay at distance. I know he likes to use his power, but when guys get a little bit more tired, they tend to clinch up a little bit. If he dips his head once, his neck's gone. And that's sort of how I see this fight playing out. I sort of have a vision as how I could see it going. Um, it could also go the other way. There also is that Spider-Verse situation where we have Impa just throwing that huge punch down the middle and just destroying Harris, uh, Harrison's life. So um, Carlson Harris, I, I think that I, I'm going to lock him in as far as my underdog, uh, as, as far as the underdog on the card. I, I was leaning on Hannah Goldie, but I really like Carlson in this spot. And for me, I mean, I think there's violence on this. So I think it was is it under one and a half on this one. Uh, I believe so. Let me pull this up right now. What's the over under on that one? <clears throat> but for me, even at plus money, I'm still, I'm, you know, there's some scary parlays in, in this card because there's a lot of, when I said small dogs, there is some small dogs, usually fights you might want to stay away from, but when I can see multiple paths to victory for Carlton Harris and I can only see one, 
for Impa. Like I, I've heard some guys talk and say that Impa could possibly, you know, outpoint a decision. I, I don't see that happening. I don't see him outpointing a decision in this fight. Um, that's my opinion. But I mean, how do you see this fight? No, I'm just to answer your question before that. You do have over 1.5 and over 2.5 in this. So you have both options if you want to take advantage mm. of them. Um, for me, in this one, I am on the same page as you, although I do see paths to victory for both. Whenever I'm looking at this, you know, if I'm Impa, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to come out and I'm going to make sure I get the respect from Carlson Harris. Because Carlson Harris is going to come at you. He's going to shoot for the takedown. You know, he's got clean striking too. He has a couple of KOs on his record as well. So Impa's going to have to keep him off him. So I find there's a better path to victory for Carlson Harris, just being how aggressive he is with his uh, grappling than there is for Impa because Impa doesn't really work well off his back foot. So if he's getting pushed up against the cage, if he's getting grappled, you know, if he's taking shots, I don't see him putting out the same output that he generally would in a fight. So I'm with you. I'm choosing Carlton Harris by decision, maybe a third round sub. But, and as you pointed out, Impa's a very big dude. It takes a lot of energy to carry around those muscles. And if Carlton Harris is pushing him up against the cage, even if he's not getting those takedowns in the first round, and even if he drops the first round, it's still going to tire out Impa. Like he's still going to have to use all that muscle to try and keep this guy off him. So I just see that there's a lot bigger path to victory for Carlson Harris in this one. Once again, you're getting a plus money, which is good. Um, that's it. On the other side of it, like I said, if I'm Impa, I'm coming out and I'm making sure I'm hitting him as hard as I can to keep him on his back foot. That's how I see Impa taking this fight. Carlson Harris gets clipped. You know, he's not feeling too good about it, a little bit worried about the striking coming in to go for those takedowns then I can see Impa taking over, and that's where I see him having an advantage in that realm. But once again, Carlson Harris is where my money will be on Saturday night. And one thing you want to look at, too, is Carlson tends to throw out some kicks as well, too. So you're going to see potentially some calf kicks. Um, you may see some oblique, oblique kicks because literally that is what happens when, when people see techniques working successfully, and it's ultra successful most recently. Yeah. Um, you're going to see kicks like this. One thing I could potentially see too is, you know, we know that Impa, you know, he's learned from catching leg kicks. He probably shouldn't do that the way he did and leave himself <laughs> wide open for possibly the most beautiful knockout in the history of the sport. Um, but that being said, even if he catches a leg kick and sort of dips in, there's so many chokes that are there as soon as he goes in for any kind of grapple situation off that. So then if he doesn't want to try to, to catch those leg kicks and he doesn't check things properly, he's, I think you're going to see Carlson use a lot of kicks as well too. Yeah. Um, to chew up those legs that would be the best strategy in my opinion if he wants to stay outside fine then take away his power in the first round yeah just throw leg kicks let him throw his big punches circle out throw your throw your leg kicks circle out throw your leg kicks as soon as he gets sloppy a little bit go in for your chokes do what you got to do or tag him up because he's got the power um yeah. and just the way that his limbs are i know that the reach isn't much different but just the way his limbs are he's got those like john jones type limbs a la choking out leo to machida in toronto just yeah where you can just literally almost one arm a guy with his arms and just circle it right through. If not, I think he actually did do a one arm submission. So um, I think we're locking him in or I shouldn't use the word lock. So, um, so loosely um, Carlson Harris is going to be at least on my end dog of the, the night. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to put that in as definitely as, as our dog. I think that there's going to be a lot of violence in this fight. Um, what would be your pick? So we're going to go Carlson Harris is straight up. And then what did you say as far as uh, any other plays? Um, honestly, I haven't looked at it. So let's take a look at the lines right now. But 
If what, what's crossing Harris by submission? Let's take a look at this. Um, unfortunately, with three six five, I get it all grouped into one. But um, Carlton Harris by finish is at plus two ten. Okay. So, so and, even inside uh, the distance, in inside the distance, best because you could actually catch him with a strike too. You never know. Yeah. Um, so that might be an even safer play than Which, the submission itself. So no. Carlson Harris maybe inside the distance. Yeah, you're getting a lot of value on the decision though, because Impa has other. We all obviously know his um, big KO loss to uh, Joaquin Buckley, but inside the distance, you're actually looking at plus three seventy five too. So there's a lot of value on that as well, because there's a good chance you won't be able to put Impa away. Oh, you Why, mean so to go the distance? To that plus three seventy five. What's that? To go the distance three plus three seventy five. Yeah, like, for Carlton Harris. Oh, okay. There's some value you know there. Um, but the biggest value I see is plus 1,200 at around three for Carlson Harris. Okay. I, I mean, here's the thing. We're debating back and forth on what he could win by. So yeah. I think the one thing that they're going to get out of this is, you know, Harris is the guy we're picking. That's it. Right? But I mean, and that makes it that because a lot of the time we can say what we want as the prop or what yeah. we want is the way it's going to end. But everybody has sort of take their sort of angle on it, take a little bit of the information. At least they know that's where we're landing. Um, but yeah, I mean, there could be a way. Like, maybe he doesn't put him away. I just it's it, I don't think he puts him away by knockout. I really think it's he could get on that neck. Yeah, I, uh, that, that's the only thing for me that that where I see inside the distance, in my opinion. But. Um, we'll leave that one there and let's move on to, um, and we can go pretty quick on this one because I think this is a pretty easy one to talk about. Um, we have Aaron Blanchfield against Sarah Alpar. So we have what would be, I guess, an unproven Aaron Blanchfield coming into the UFC as far as unproven in the UFC because it's her first fight um, in the octagon against Sarah Alpar, who's been, uh, you know, She's been all over the octagon. So we have a situation where we have a talent, young talent, and the only thing that I think could hold Blanchfield back in this would literally be, um, you know, not necessarily in-ring IQ, but maturity being in the octagon. It's her first time in the octagon. The one thing that does play into her favor being her octagon debut, I think, is it's in the apex. So it's mm -hmm. not going to be too crazy for her. Um, so I think that might be okay. It might make what I'm talking about right now sort of a moot point, but that would be the only negative thing for her, I think, going into this fight. This really is a display piece. As far as I'm concerned, I don't really see Sarah Alpar really, I mean, yeah, sure, there's always that miracle shot, but I don't bet on miracle shots very rarely anyways. Um, I would be looking at Aaron Blanchfield don't know where the line's at right now. The line's getting growing bigger. It's actually a little bit gross how, how it was growing. Um, but another thing you might want to look at too, and a lot of people have been talking about it. I'm sort of, I am piggybacking. I'm being, I'm being honest about it. Um, a lot of people are looking at Aaron Blanchfield by a submission. So as, as an option. So, but how do you see this fight? I think this is a showcase fight for Aaron Blanchfield. I think the UFC is putting her against their Alpar just to bring her in, give her a fight that's very winnable and a fight that she will probably look fantastic in just to give her some name recognition before they kind of shoot her up the ladder. She's coming in from Invicta. She's got a couple nice kills on her record, one by head kick. She did very well over there, and I believe she's going to do great in the UFC as well. I've always been higher in, our, in uh, Invicta, so I'm happy to see her finally in the UFC. Um, I don't actually see any area where Sarah's better at her in this fight. I think Aaron 
has the better ground game, and she has a far superior striking game. So that being said, it's like you said, the lines are kind of gross. Like you're looking at close to a minus 400 Definitely. for Aaron right now. So. Oh, that was the other one I did like in this because I, I really do see Aaron finishing this fight. And the only way Sarah wins this fight is not through decision. Um, so then you got to look at how this works out if she catches her. So I like the under two and a half. I think I was getting pl just plus money on it. Um, but the under two and a half was a nice play on that, um, even as a parlay piece. Yeah, the under two and a half, you're looking at plus 162 right now. So they still have yeah. plus money. But as you said, the lines yeah. have to fairly quickly on this one. And by fight day, they're just going to grow larger and larger. Like there is a world where Aaron just pieces her up for three rounds and she wins the decision 100%. And that's also something you could look at. Yeah. But I just see a finish. I don't, I don't see her wanting to come in and with all this hype and not want to make a point. Um, and in doing that, she could also be young and dumb and leave herself open and, and have Sarah actually catch her. So either way, you're covering your ass at under two and a half, in my opinion. Yeah. But um, I, I still parlayed her up a little bit because she is awesome. I was watching tape and it's... She's fantastic. I, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see what comes from this girl after this fight. I'm already looking ahead, which is a terrible thing to do from a betting perspective. But I'm already excited for her next fight. Definitely. I mean, well, even look, we had Jasmine Jesuit of Vicious. And yes, uh, I, I mean, Blanchfield, as far as the striking, um, the class is up there. Don't get me wrong. But you have someone who's gritty that comes in and just doesn't care. She wants to fight the next week. I'm staying in Vegas after the, after she just gets the contract and she's going to go again. She yeah. is she's she's going to be a gamer. Um, whenever they're going to come to call, she's going to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll cover. Yeah, you That's want it. me in there right now? Like, so it's nice to see that, um, especially in women's MMA, you want to have that. Um, that draw power, being excited about a women's MMA fight and not just saying, oh, yeah, OK, so we're going to bet the over on this on this. Exactly. Fight. We're, it's going we're, to we're decision. Um, it, it's nice to be sort of hyped about it. Right. Um, OK, next, I think we're, we're sort of locking on that one. So we're looking at and I'm going to do the recap again once again. But Aaron Blanchfield, I like the idea of under two and a half um, or just under two and a half. Sorry for the fight. But. Or if you're going to just go straight up, Aaron, Aaron Blanchfield, as far as a uh, parlay piece, it's pretty high in the numbers right now. So you might want to stay away from it at this point. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that would be the play. So moving into the next fight, we have Montel Jackson against JP Bates. So this is an interesting uh, situation because we have what could be presented as, you know, a giant dog um, because the line is just speaking on gross. <laughs> absolutely gross like disgusting um i don't think that jp base deserves that because he does have speed the guy does have talent is he in a different league with the guy he's fighting with he is but i think the line is just a little bit too far like the, the way they're basically saying he wins like it, it's ridiculous i don't know what the line is right now but it's just it, it doesn't Minus make sense 600. so that being said i got it early a little a little Still was gross, but I got it early and parlayed a little bit. Um, but you, to try to find value on this, you got to look at it. And I'm just thinking violence. I don't see this getting out of two and a half round, two and a half rounds. I don't see it. I think it's going to be done. So I, I I just went early on Montel when I could, and then once it got so gross, I didn't want to even look at the line anymore. I just decided to go under two and a half for the rest of it um, because there is a chance. I mean. Montel, although he's up there in his numbers, he hasn't impressed at points, right? The skills are all there. The, the talent's there, but he hasn't impressed at points. So where you have, on the other side of things, you have a guy with J.P. Bias who maybe doesn't have all, the, or J.P. Bayes who doesn't have all the talent, 
in comparison to, but has all the heart and grit and will fight for every moment. So um, I'm not selling him as a dog because that's not happening in my, in any world. I don't think not even any spider verse world. That's not happening. Um, so it's Montel Jackson. I think straight up, I think you're going to be on the same pick. And I think, you know, with under two and a half, you're safe on the violence because I don't see this getting out of uh, two rounds. I just don't. Our group chat, man, like I tried to find value in JP buys. I searched for it and it's not there. Like I don't see any way he wins this fight. Like uh, Montel Jackson lost to Brent Johns and that was kind of like my angle if there would be a little bit of a dog play. But then you also look at him, he choked out Brian Kelleher and we saw in Brian Kelleher's last fight how much of a dominant wrestler he can be when he wants to be. So if he's beating Brian Kelleher, I just don't see JP buys taking him down and winning a three-round decision. So... I'm going Montel Jackson first round KO. Like, JP Vice didn't look good against Bruno Silva. He got taken down and then he got clipped with that counter right. Like, it's Montel yeah. Jackson's a better striker than um, and Bruno Silva. It's just, I really, really struggle to find any sort of path to victory for him. So, you're Mr. Proppy, but I'm going on the idea of under two and a half. Uh, we're going to have to change the name of this podcast to Mr. Safe. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Crazy or whatever. I'm just whatever, trying to find value. Even the nah, I know I'm 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 teeing it up that way, right? So <laughs> I'm I'm, lean, I'm leaning on the safe side of things with the middle middle play and then and leaning you into the prop, right? So, um, yeah, Montel Jackson I think is the only path on this. He's the only one that's going to win this fight. Um, you know, if you want to lean on the idea of prop KO, I like it. I think uh, if you want to dig to try to find a whole bunch of value on the card where there's a high likelihood. Um, there's a lot of people poking holes in Montel Jackson's game because there's been holes at points, but yeah, I think, I think, um, oh, and I, I wanted to, I wanted to tell you, I was going to pull a John Anik on you and correct you on the pr uh, pronunciation of the name and not because I want, I want to correct you, but because if I have to say it right and I hate <laughs> saying it right, cause I think it's horrible how it's said, cause it, it's spelled buys. Okay. <laughs> so I should be saying JP buys, but they actually, no, I don't care what, what you say it. But but they say <laughs> apparently it's JP Bass, but I, I think it's sure. well, J, I, I, in my opinion I think it's JP Bass. Um, I was just trying to have a John Anik moment for a minute. He and corrects everybody at every moment. Um, the only thing I will give him is his wife just had a wonderful performance, and I would not want to be one where he gets cut from the UFC <laughs> before she does. Yeah, so you're giving him the male ego is what you're saying. So if anybody wants to bet on JP Bass. See, see what I did there? If anybody wants to bet on him, um, I, I think we're going to bet on his ego. No, we're, we're definitely going to stay away from him. No, no um, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of you that are going to drop some money on him and a, a knockout and a, you know, whatever it's sitting at. Stay away from it altogether. So what we're looking at is we have a guy who is pretty solid, powerful in the striking, and Nicholas Mota, who is getting ready for a grapple-heavy Jim Miller, who's about to fight a guy who's strong in grappling, but Nicholas Mota was getting ready for Jim Miller. So I, I don't really see how that's going to be anything different. Um, he, he's just going to be dominant in this fight. That being said, Cameron Van Camp comes to play. And I think that there's always a shot at a knockout. There's always a shot at him clipping him. There's always a shot at an exchange. And it all is going to depend on what that scale looks like. Um, him coming in on short notice, what are they going to do with the weight? Is he going to be okay if he doesn't make weight? Because it's pretty short notice. Are they going to do a catch weight after the fact? 
Um, is he going to be drawn out and destroyed because he cut weight so fast? Or was he already ready and he's good? We, we just don't know. Maybe you have weigh-ins. I would, I would be taking a look at this. I would also be taking a look at the live dog right away. Um, because if, it, you know, in a situation like this, after that first round, say Cameron comes out hot, but you still in your back of your mind think Nicholas Moto is probably going to win the fight, then you may get a, a shot at a line going into that live betting into that second round. So there's an option on this fight with that too. There's just a lot of plays on this fight simply because of the short notice. You're either going to go all in or messing around with this fight or you're just going to stay away from it. Um, I'm likely going to probably stay away from it for the most part, but I'm not going to lie to you and say that I didn't look at, uh, well, I, I dropped a little bit on Van Camp um by a KO prop because why not that's the only one I got a little bit reckless a little bit uh degenerate with but that, that's where I was looking at it so how do you see this fight Nicholas Mota Cameron Van Camp uh, I'm the same as you man like I'm kind of staying away from it like uh with Cameron Van Camp the only thing that you notice he was training to be a late replacement for sessions they training he was the one that was going to be a late replacement for Patty Pimlet whenever we heard that he wasn't going to be fighting so I don't know how much effort he's actually put into a game plan. Um, once again, that being said, it's one of these fights where it's it's hard to look at, man. Like it's they're both gonna be coming to strike. They're both gonna be coming to grapple. Van Camp has a good ground game, has a fair bit of uh, wins by submission as well. Um, I'll go Moda just because the fact that he's had the training camp, the fact that he's been training, especially for a big fight like Jim Miller, he's kind of been training for a style that may be implicated by uh, Van Camp there because I said he does like his submissions. Um, but on the grand scheme of things, I'm going to bet this fight doesn't go the distance. And that's where I'm going to lie with it because I think both are going to come out to prove a point. He's coming in short notice. He's going to want to go out there and make a statement. And Moda hits like a Mack truck. So if I was going to look at that from a betting perspective, that's the only thing I see. As for who's going to win this fight, I just, I said I'm picking Moda, but I'm taking him because of longevity in his training camp. And that's kind of it. You know, I mean, it's a smart pick. I mean, we got to, like you said, you got to pick one. And, and I want to correct myself too, because um, I didn't get him on the KO yet. It was just the idea that um, I had already, I, so I bet him straight up. But the idea is uh, that's what I'm thinking. If he gets, you know, the, the odds are nice. So yeah. you know, I took one, one little side shot. But that's the way to look at it, man. I mean, Nicholas Moda is likely going to win this fight, high percentage. Um, but I'm likely to just stay away from it. And yeah. I already, you know, opened up the closet and told you guys what I did. But um, the idea is that's just a degenerate situation. It is what it is. Yeah. Moving on to the next fight, we have Zhu Rong against Brandon Jenkins. Um, another short notice change. And actually, I'll correct myself because I think I said Dakota Bush um, on the last fight. And I, I'll correct myself because it was supposed to be Jim Miller. At one point, I think I said Dakota Bush. Um, but they both went out for COVID. So I, I'm not too far off. And I'm okay with it. I don't even have to edit that part because I'm, I'm okay with the mess up. Um, <laughs> so Zhu wrong against Brennan Jenkins. Brennan Jenkins just coming off of a crazy flying knee at PO, PFL, which... They've, they've got me on board recently. Um, you know, the past, what, six to seven months, I'm, I'm finally watching the PFL um, and actually look out for a, a separate um, pod that will be about 20 minutes long that will go over the champions. Um, so that's coming up, the PFL champions. Uh, you can jump on board for that with, uh, with me if you like. Um, 
but we'll be putting that up pretty quick to try to get early odds on on some things. Um, the, obviously, we're never going to touch Kayla Harrison. You, you know what she's sitting at right now? No. Negative 3,300. <laughs> I can bet my house on that, man, and I'm still not going to make money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's literally pretty much the economy of Canada. We're never going to make money back. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so... Zoo wrong against Brendan Jenkins. We have another situation where it's sort of either greasy, where you can come in and, and capitalize on that situation. That's how I look at these scenarios, or you just stay away from it completely. Um, I, I'm Zoo wrong. It seems like he has all the pieces, but once again, like you've heard with a lot of other guys as well too, talking about him. I'm not fully sold on him yet. I'm not as skeptical about him as some guys seem to be, but I'm just not fully there yet. I haven't seen everything fully play out the way that we're expecting from him. Um, the problem that he has now is he is a wildly crazy Brennan Jenkins. And this guy yeah. is pretty out there. <laughs> and, he, and, and so when you have a guy like that, I don't know what the line's sitting at right now. What's that? What's that right now? Take a quick look at this. But I mean, when you have a guy who's high energy and full of heart, you have uh, Anna Ligger, right? So you have, and I think I said that name, right? Yeah. You got a guy who's coming in, huge dog. You don't expect it. You don't see it coming and you don't bet on grit. And you don't bet on heart. And when you have that guy on the flip side who is not mature enough yet to tap into his talent the way he needs to and have enough fight IQ to fully win a fight no matter what happens, he could get overwhelmed. And I can see him. I could see it happening. I could see Zuron getting overwhelmed by Brendan Jenkins in a scenario later in the fight. Um, but it, again, it's one of the situations I, I haven't touched it and I'm probably not going to. Yeah, so to your question about the odds, Zerong right now is sitting at a minus 334, which to me is a very greasy line to even yeah. look at. Like, that's that's steep, you know. Um, just based on those lines, I would probably put money on Brandon Jenkins just because that's that's way too steep. The guy's like 21 years old. He's got a fair bit of experience. He's coming off the Chinese uh, regional team. He didn't look good in his first fight. Like, I don't know, you can write these things off to UFC jitters. You can write off however you like. He just, he didn't look good. And he was a massive favorite in that fight. So, and I'll be honest, I actually had him parlayed on that fight. So I don't think I could bet him on again because he's the only one I lost on that. And he was the biggest uh -oh. favorite. We got, on we got a bias point. We got a bias point. We're not even at, we're not even at Gravely yet. We're at a bias point. Okay. So <laughs> all jokes is not, not a fan. You've been burnt. I get it. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. When you have, you have a guy who's got a gas tank, who's gritty and a dog, literally could be the dog for you, right? So, I mean, I'm still going to stay away from it, but uh, it's not a bad look. Obviously, no one's touching Zurong at any point. At this you know, at this point in the, the juncture, it was a, a pick em in the last uh, setup against Bush, but now it's just more of no one, everybody's unsure about Jenkins. No one knows how he's going to be ready, what he's going to be ready, so then this is why the line's sitting like this, right? Um, and this camp, Cameron Van Camp had, a, like you were saying, he was ready for the last setup against Pimblet. Um, it was at least one or two more days more to cut weight. That's a big factor. So that's why the line's sitting where it is. But I think Brendan Jenkins is probably going to come in on weight because I'm pretty sure he stays pretty fit. Yeah. Um, as far as things go. So moving to the next fight on the card, we have Raquel Rocky Pennington against Pani Kianzad. So we have a high level. Um, striker, grappler, MMA fighter. 
her record does not show that. And, you know, this is, we're going to sound like a broken record on it, but everybody's talked about the idea that she's fought against the best of the best and that's her only losses. They don't really dig into why that's important. And I was talking about this with the Chidi and Jaquati situation and, and multiple other scenarios. It does depend on the fighter and Chidi and Jaquati. I know I keep beating a dead horse with that, but the idea is he is mentally weak sometimes. So in his situation, him losing to the, those guys, although it brings value, him having time in the ring with, with like a John Salter, his mental breakdowns is where he's not going, that's not going to benefit him at times. Because no matter how much experience you have, if you have a mental breakdown and you don't, that's, you're going to lose in a fight. So I saw where people were betting against him. That's not the case with Raquel Pennington. So if we're looking at this, she has high fight IQ. She has every attribute like on a high level. If this was a video game, she, her bars are all at the top. Um, unfortunately, she just got some monsters that have beaten her. And for her, I don't see any other way that she's, I, I can't see any way she's going to lose this fight. So Raquel Pennington, obviously, we know she's not glamorous. The idea that she'll be a point fighter and, and grapple heavy, but then she'll keep you on the outside. She'll touch you up. And, and really, she ends up running decisions pretty much all the time. And we get it. It can be boring to watch at times. Um, I enjoy it. I, I love watching her work. Yeah, it's not finishes all the time, but it is what it is. And, and I like it because it's pretty much a for sure over, you know, over two and a half distance, uh, you know, Pennington by decision, decision. Those are your looks, right? Yeah. Um, I think the best thing on this one is just to play it safe on the idea that just have her as a, a parlay piece. Just that's it. That's it. Nothing else. Don't don't try to fluff it. Don't don't try to fluff it up with anything or make it any bigger. Um, she's a good parlay piece. Yep. I had a couple over two and a halfs um, just in case. Who knows? I mean, she could end up finishing her, submitting her in the third round as well, too. She's a bet. And I think you're going to see a lot more people that weren't finishing fights, finishing fights, as you have this influx of um, talent that's young coming in here. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, sorry. <laughs> my fucking, my okay. cat keeps scratching at the door. Um, so, so, so in this fight, if we're looking at we have, um, you know, I, I pretty much only talked about Pennington one side on this, but how do you see this fight? How do you see this playing out? What's your, your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's, you know, we've heard it a hundred times before about Raquel Pennington and, um, and you've heard it, I'm sure if you listen, if you're going to be listening to this, you've listened to other people, it's strength of schedule is how, what they like to say. Um, she's just fought the best of the best. So she's not the best of the best, but she's always going to be in those limitations. So she, whenever she's in these big fights, she may not always perform or she may not always come out on top. Sorry, but you know, she's been in there with like, what do you expect? She's been in there with Amanda Nunes, you know, she's been in there with the people that are constantly at the top. and you know, um, this didn't pay out for me this week at the Contender Series, but I like to look at fight camps. And you look at how well Tisha Torres did, and Tisha Torres is obviously her partner. And she looked phenomenal in her last fight. They both moved over to American Top Team. So you can tell she's putting in work because, you know, her last couple outings haven't been that great. Um, and, yeah, it's, I can see it going exactly kind of how you described. It's probably not going to be an entertaining fight, you know, at least for the casual fan probably going to be a lot of clinch work and a lot of repel pushing her up, landing some knees in the clinch, dirty boxing, that type of stuff. Probably going to be a little ugly. Not very pretty. A lot of minute winning. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah. Raquel Pennington is just a straight bet. You know, the lines are actually fairly close. 
So it's not like you're almost really... disrespectful. Yeah, I know. Just a little. But I, I, I sort of get why, and I, I can understand. I get with having a high skill set coming in against Raquel Penny, but I just don't see uh, Penny Kane's Ed winning this fight. So no. I think we'll move forward. We'll, we'll lock that one in. Pennington definitely lock it. I'll lock that one in. So we'll try to speed through some of these a little bit more. So we're looking at. Uh, this is the one I have a problem with. So you want to help me with this one? So it's Tafon Enchqui yeah. against Mike Rodriguez. So for me, I've gone back and forth on this because we have a guy who's very unimpressive. Um, and I know that's a lot of people's sentiment, but when you watch tape on him, you see why that's the sentiment across the board. Um, yeah. At the same time, it's he does have like you know 17 fights is a lot of experience so that experience is what is scaring me in this fight a little bit um that could have him outpoint a situation and win by decision potentially um but i i i jumped on uh tafon and squee uh, i know i said that name wrong that's okay i can butcher one <laughs> um pretty early uh, what's the line standing right now sorry take a little quick Right now, it's minus 125 for Tavon. So, Mike Rodriguez, Rodriguez sorry, open up as a slight um, favorite, but is now gone over to Tavon. But it's it's kind of a pick. I'm like minus 125 to plus 100. It's Yeah, when it go, it's been going back and forth. That's why this card is so scary because there's so many fights on it, and there's a lot of those. Yeah. Um, but I just see, I see Mike Rodriguez getting starched. I just see it happen. Whether it's in a scramble where he goes to grapple him at some point, I, I know he can keep on the outside and do his thing, whatever, but I just see power landing somewhere at some point, touching, and that's it. Um, I know that uh, Tafon's been working on conditioning a lot more, too. We're going to see if that plays out the way it needs to. Um, but, yeah, I just – I don't know how you really want to – that this any which way i think tafon initially was a little bit of a dog that's where it had interest to me that's mm -hmm. not the case anymore not really interested in the fight i'm going to be honest unless you want to look at a, a sleazy prop and take it away um honestly i'm a little bit on the other end of it with this one so you know finally one we don't see eye to eye on I'm perfect <laughs> i find tafon i find him just sloppy like whenever he comes in he throws these wild punches he throws these high kicks when you look at the reach, too, Mike Rodriguez is sitting at an 82 reach. And yeah, I did see that. Yeah, so he's got – he's a big dude. The only knock I have whenever I'm playing this out, and I'll be the first to admit it, is he's not very good at implementing his reach. He's had it in a fair bit of fights, and his fight IQ isn't the greatest. So he's very – he's not the greatest at, you know, implementing it. But I think in this one, um, Tavon will probably – Load, load a little bit in the beginning. He's going to throw crazy punches. He's going to throw those head kicks. As I said, he's probably going to pull something trying to hit his face because I don't think he's going to get up that high. But um, I see Mike Rodriguez uh, winning this fight. And not to add a prop, but just to see how I think it's going to go. Like, um, I think this is probably going to be a decision for him. I think he's going to use his snappy jab. And I think that tap on will slow down. He may win the first round. It may actually be a good live betting odds if you like that because like once again you know we have like eon kutalaba coming up same style of fighter where yep. first round he's he's gonna go nuts yep. so but and I that's think good to point out that's good to point out actually that we have uh you know there's something that maybe you want to stay away from until game time so yeah, definitely i'm with you on that 
if you're worried about it, like, you know, and I said, the lines are kind of even. So if you're kind of want to sit back, if you see that Tavon goes hard in the first round, but you see him being a little bit noticeably tired, the live betting's there, you know, because then you know Mike Rodriguez, he's been in these wars, you know. He's just, he's not a higher output fighter. So, but as I said, for me, I see him taking these last two rounds and Tavon just coming out too strong in the first and gassing himself up. The guy only has six fights. He doesn't have a lot of experience. He didn't look great in his last fight. He looked tired fairly quickly against Jong Young Park. Once again, notice that it was at 185. So this fight's at 205. So maybe the weight cut had a lot to do with it. But there is a, there's a fair bit of variables, at least for me going in on Tavlon and how he's going to perform. That um, I feel comfortable taking Mike Rodriguez at plus money. Yeah, I mean, for me, if if it, if it has flipped now, it's not really. And it was Tavlon was plus before he was correct. I believe so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. That. Pretty good. That's the only reason why I was even looking at it. Um, that's not the case. There's not really a play on my end. And and really, I, I know you're sort of just picking to pick one. Um, this is really one I would stay away from for the most part. This is a parlay killer. Yeah, it's very true, actually. 100%. Um, next, if we're looking at the next, uh, sorry, the, what do we got next? We have Joaquin Buckley against Antonio Arroyo. Um you know, people have mixed feelings on Joaquin Buckley. He's pretty polarizing. You either love him or hate him. Um, pretty talented, um, overrated, cocky, you know, superhero, whatever you want to look at it. I think that with what I've heard coming out of his camp, he, he's wrestling. That's it. He doesn't need to strike. He's wrestling. So what does Arroyo have problems with? Grappling. Is he a Brazilian jiu-jitsu? I'm not sure what his, I'm sure he's a black belt at this point, but is he a Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner? Sure. But the idea is he's going to get potentially a grapple by Buckley mm-hmm. or at least enough to keep him on the feet. And then it's over. Um, even if Buck, Buckley's a little bit sloppy, I, I see pieces up Arroyo. Um, I heard some guys picking this, their dog, and I was like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> I get it with the line where it was if you want to stay away from Buckley because you're unsure. But for me, um, I think he was at negative 220 when I got him as a parlay piece. That's that's the rule. That was that was I wanted to I went all in on that. Um, but where it's at now, I mean, you might want to look to the violence. You might want to even stay away from it, depending on what's the line at right now. If it's too if it's too greasy, it's like there's not really I don't know. Meat on too, it anymore. It's too uh, wide. You got to get meat on the bone. That's it. Walking Buckley is currently at a minus 200. So it's, it's not that bad. It's the line's kind of where it's yeah, the line really move. So fairly reasonable, actually. I, I know that, uh, you know, as I was looking at Mike Rodriguez, I have this bias. And even as you're talking, I'm talking and thinking, shit, maybe I went the wrong way on that one. I didn't really go too far on it, but maybe I went the wrong way on that one. But I'm not flipping my pick this week. No, no, I'm not my pick. <laughs> I would have went 100% of that Dana White contender series. I'm not flipping my pick this week. Uh, I'm not getting Jalton Almeida again. I'm not getting Magdalena back back of that again. I'm still mad about that. It's not happening. It's not happening to me, Magdalena. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm going to still, I'm sticking with Buckley. I'm sticking with Te, uh, Tefon or Tefon. Sorry. Um, what's your thoughts on Arroyo and Buckley? Um, I, I, or sorry, you. You already went through all of that. No, I, or no, I, you didn't go through that yet. Yeah, What's your thoughts on Buckley? 
<laughs> I'll be the first to say I don't like Buckley at all. Um, I, I, point out, <laughs> I think he's cocky, he's arrogant, and I'm a diehard uh, James Krause fan. And I, the only reason why I want to see uh, Joaquin Buckley win this fight is so that he calls out James Krause again. Really, his fight to win. I don't really see how he loses this fight. Just the fact that you point out he's training on wrestling. Arroyo looks like a wet bag whenever he's on the ground. Like, he has zero idea how to get up. Like, he just lays there. He doesn't try and scoot himself to the fence. He just kind of accepts the position and goes, shit, maybe I'll do better in the next round. So, if Buckley, if Buckley's been training wrestling, I think as long as he's got three months in, he's probably going to be able to take this guy down. Yeah, um, that, that's all you would really, you know, I'm sure he already had somewhat of a wrestling, you know, at least a background to some degree, um, yeah. you know, at least to, to, to back on in MMA, but now it's his focus and apparently he's been taking it seriously. So at least this is what you're hearing from, you know, multiple people inside the camp. So this is hopefully the grappling. where I go. It's his fight to lose. Like if walking Buckley loses this fight, it's because he makes a mistake, but there really isn't an area of this fight where I can see him losing. Like Arroyo, he does have decent striking. He does have a little bit of a reach. He's a tall guy, but He's got not a lot of output. Like, he's just – and Joaquin Buckley's going to literally probably chase him down and just punch him in the mouth. And like, he's just – you watch yeah. this guy fight, and he just throws bombs. <laughs> and he's actually got a fairly decent gas tank. Like, he can kind of carry it through, which is surprising for somebody with the amount of muscle that he has. And well, I don't want to give him too many compliments, but I really don't see how he's going to – You got a little bit well, of love this man. That's swaying me a little bit. I don't know. You got a little bit of a crush on him. You just hating on him. What's going on? All right. <laughs> so we looking at Joaquin Buckley. I mean, yeah, I can't really see him losing. I mean, I, I mentioned mentioned the Spider Verse because I'm a nerd, and the Multiverse because I'm a nerd. If if we're living in 2021 and there's some crazy things already going on that I didn't think I'd ever see in my life, but if Antonio Arroyo beats Joaquin Buckley, I want off the ride. Okay, I went off the ride. I'm good. Um, which leads me into my probably biggest bias fight on the card. And it actually came from me listening to multiple other people talk about it that I trust uh, you being one included. Um, I don't like Tony Gravely either. I don't know what it is. It's his name. It's his record. It's his face. How he talks. I don't know what it is. It's just one of those things. I just don't like him. And I also obviously have seen Nate Manus fight um, in the Canadian regional scene um, in Quebec. And so although he was again, going up against our guys, now I sort of have, you know, he, he beat Jesse Arnett. Um, so it's almost like we, we, we take him in now to, in a way, you know what I mean? To some One degree, at least, at least in this scenario. And if you're going to beat a guy like Jesse Arnett, who I think is still a guy, you know, yeah, he's my age, he's sitting at 37 years old, but still a guy who's sitting at the top of the Canadian scene and has some of the slickest chokes. Um, really looking forward to seeing what he's going to be doing coming out of Stanford MMA now. Um, but back to this fight, I'm on the Nate Maness train and I feel like I'm only on the Nate Maness train because I don't like Tony Gravely, really, in the big scheme of things. So it's almost like I throw out the whole book and all the research out the window. Yeah, Manus is a gamer. He does come to fight. He is going to be outclassed with a, in almost all of the attributes of this fight. Um, but he did, does show hard. And for me, initially, when I was looking at this card, I, I went on him a little bit earlier. 
Um, he was one of those small dog situations. And, you know, I'm still going to stick with my guns on this because I'm, I'm sticking with everything. I'm not flopping on any of these or flip-flopping on any of these. I'm sticking with my instinct. And I'm, I'm, I'm just locked Nate Manus in. He was a couple little small sneaky parlay situations. Um, but all in all, beyond that, and, and I'm not really touching it any other way. What yeah. about you? What do you think? Um, this is probably one of the fights that, like, I've gone back and forth about 100 times on. And for that reason, like, I'll probably – not put any action on this one just because of that. Um, I'm like with you. I don't like Ravely at all. I don't know what it is. The guy just annoys me. Kind of me, kind of reminds me of Julian Lin. Like remember that guy from the Let Me Bang Bro guy from uh, the Ultimate Fighter back in the day? I can't remember, but I mean, if I saw footage on it, that could be what it is. It's sitting in the back of my head and I'm, that's what's bugging me. Okay, I, well, I don't know what it is. Listening to this, just type in Let Me Bang Bro on YouTube and you're going to laugh for a couple hours. Okay. It is 100% worth it. But either way, um, it's, it's just too much of a striker versus grappler match. Like, if I look at it, and a lot of times the wrestler is the one that wins. So, if Gravely could take him down, the guy is a trained wrestler. You really need to see how the first round is going to go. And that's where, once again, like, if I was going to do action, maybe some live betting on this. But I just don't know if Manus is going to be able to defend his takedowns. Like, I want to believe he can. Uh, he can't, sorry. I like the guy a lot. I think he's got a lot of potential in the UFC. But I feel like I've flipped the script a little bit on it, and hopefully I don't be my own words on this, where I think Gravely would probably take a decision on this one. Okay, so we're – okay. So, yeah, I think with Nate Maynard, Tony Gravely, I uh, may be on the wrong side of this, but I'm going to stick to my guns on it. I'm going to say Good. Nate Maynard, and uh, I'm going to say inside the distance is going to be my play on that. So, <laughs> Nate Maynard, inside the distance, you're saying Tony Gravely decision. Okay, moving on to the next one, we have Christos Jagos uh, against Armin Sarukian. I'm going to be short and sweet. Armin Sarukian's numbers are so gross, there's no point in touching this. There's no point in even breaking down what's going to happen in this. It's going to be a guy who can grapple against a guy who can grapple way better. Yeah. And then we have a situation where a guy who can throw some punches, but he's not going to be able to do them on his back or on his side facing the mat into the cage while he's getting his face grinded against it. So Armin Zarukin is going to win this fight, hands down. I think he wins it by decision. Some guys have me questioning myself now, thinking that possibly he may gas this man and put him out in the third round. Yeah. So although I think that distance is possibly the safest play that you can look at an angle on this one, um, there is a world where around three, if you can get it on Zarukin, I think would be a safe play because it could be TKO or it could be sub. Um, but I'd say Zarukian, maybe a third round, Zarukian inside the distance. What's your thoughts? Just just give me your picks. Yeah, honestly, like it's there's no other way to look at this fight. It's one grappler versus another grappler. And as you point out, one grappler is a lot better. And come right up to the mic, start again. Sorry, it's um it's like one grappler versus another grappler, and one grappler is just a lot better. Like there's no other way around it. Like I don't see how Christos wins this fight at all. He's going to get taken down. He's going to get beat up. And I'm with you. I like the props. If you're looking at what you're saying, like, like you know, third round potential, you're looking at plus 1,000. So Yeah, and it's because he's such a decision guy. So he's never you, finished you have, a fight in the UFC, right? But he has finished his prior. So I, I'm hoping we don't see what we saw with Jack Shore the other weekend where he had opportunities to finish that fight, where he could have kind of made a little bit of a highlight reel for himself. But that's what you get with these guys, right? They're just so used to riding on that decision because they're so good. 
because they don't take yeah. advantage of opportunities. So that's the only skeptical thing I have with this. But it's honestly, it's a good little sprinkle if you're thinking about it. You throw five bucks on it. It's not a bad idea because. Speaking of that, where do you see my pick for the main event um, in the PFL? All right. I'll let you know, I'll let you know about that uh, coming up. But yeah, so I, I think we'll just call it what it is. I, I'm going to recap all these once again for everybody. Let's jump into, uh, and I want to be quick on this one. Yep. Arian Lipsky against Mandy Baum. Um, you know, Mandy Baum, obviously, once again, being Canadian, both of us, we've seen her maybe more than other people have. She's yeah. on the regional scene in TKO. She's a gamer. She throws down. She can fight. But the reality is, is we have a girl, even though she's been very unimpressive, uh, her striking is so good. And there is a situation where we have possibly a Molly McCann scenario. Mm -hmm. This could happen most definitely. And, and I could see it playing out. But I also see a Malcolm Gordon scenario playing out. And I've been thinking about this is this is probably the fight because I told you to stay away from it. This yeah. is a fight I've, I've gone back and forth on because there's some guys picking her just because she is beautiful. I'm telling you straight up. Some guys are just on the wagon still because she's not been looking impressive and people are just riding her. But I, I'm, I'm, she's coming out of KSW. She comes in and does nothing pretty much here except for an E-bar. And I just really see a situation with Arian that she's going to come out and put on a show and just destroy Mandy Baum. That being said, I'm still staying away from it myself. I'm going to pick her straight up. Um, Picking the violence in this one isn't a bad play either. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is going to be more of a stand-up affair um, with uh, Mandy Baum, which honestly I think is the type of fight she needs. She got out grappled in both of her last fights, sadly one being Antonio Shevchenko, um, which isn't a fighter that anybody should be out grappled to. But yeah, that was that was a little ugly. Brutal. <laughs> brutal. That being said, I don't think Mandy's going to come out and try and take her down. And Lipsky does have very striking like that's why she's called the queen of violence like it's not like she got this name for nothing so i, I i'm with you on this one like as you said there's no reason to go into big breakdown on this but i think Lipsky just has the better striking i think the fight takes place on the feet i don't think there's much ground work on either one of the ends so just based on that I, Lipsky, i got no problem there's a lot at stake for her and i think that's the angle yeah. um you want to hope that a fighter's gonna fight for it and that's she can she could potentially lose her job after this if she doesn't have an impressive performance. So, yeah. Um, and Lipsky, or you could look at potentially a violence play in this as well, too, and bet under the two and a half. So, uh, Ian Kitalaba against Devin Clark. Um, I've gone back and forth on this one. It's really hard to make a pick on this because I don't really see Devin Clark finishing Ian Kitalaba. And then when it goes to the decision, he could just be really sloppy. Like the third round, if this goes to a third round, it's just going to be a guy who can't finish people against a guy who's just gassed. And I just don't know how I could see this playing out. Um, that's why I, I stayed almost completely away from it. I wanted Leon, 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 I can't even say his damn name. Um, but over two and a half, that was the, the thing for me. Or I even think it, maybe it's over one and a half. Um, it might be over one and a half because I think Devin Clark can weather a storm and, and grind it into whatever it's going to be. And once it's gone over one and a half, I don't care. Yep. I'm a hundred percent with you on this, man. As I've gone back and forth a hundred times on this. And honestly, looking at the lines right now, it literally explains my breakdown because Kutalaba is a plus one Oh five as a, for KO and a plus six fifty for a decision. 
which is a crazy <laughs> high bet for a favor. Because <laughs> nobody in the world thinks Kutalov is going to win the decision because this guy's going to go out and throw 250 punches in the first round, probably try and land like seven takedowns. And if he doesn't finish him, he's going to lose the next two rounds. Yeah. I, unless he has a different game plan than he's had in the last couple of his fights, it's going to be the way it is. And honestly, I'm leaning towards Devin Clark on this just because he took those shots from Alonzo Maddenfield. I rewatched that fight to clarify it. And the dude took a lot of big punches. And Alonzo is a scary man. And he, I think he hits harder than Kutalaba. So, um, yeah. You going Devin Clark? Okay, so we'll go Devin Clark for you. That's your play. Um, or, I mean, combined, we look at the idea of over two and a half or yeah. over one and a half. Sorry. Let's yeah. look at Anthony Smith against Ryan Spann. As I see this fight going, is Anthony Smith to me is the clear winner in this fight. I'm just super high on the guy. Um, he, my only issue with Anthony Smith is that sometimes he gives himself up a little bit. If he starts losing the fight, then he starts, you know, starts giving up. You know, he just, you can tell, you can see in his face, you can see in his attributes. You can see, like, even in that Glover fight, he was winning that fight for the most of it, but the second Glover started to take over, it just kind of went astray on him. And unfortunately, this is how he performs a lot of the time. So this is something that we're going to have to deal with. That being said, Brian Spann's never done anything that's really impressed me. He won his last fight. Misha Serkinov, who is, you know, in my opinion, Misha's great, but he's just, you know, he's tail end of his career, never really been in those big fights. So it's just, it's not the same caliber, you know, with Anthony Smith fighting John Jones, the Alexander Gustafson, choking him out. That's a big ordeal, you know, where Ryan Spans also has a notoriously terrible gas tank where I think he's going to, you know, come out, he's going to throw heavy bombs in the first, Anthony Smith maybe drop a round or two. But as this being a five-round fight, I don't see uh, Ryan Spans gas tank lasting. And Anthony Smith has only been actually physically KO'd twice in the last 10 years, which is a big thing if you look at the level of uh, competition that he's faced. So for me, it's got to be Anthony Smith. Um, I like him winning by submission, but that's not something I'd be overly confident with. I think the line's good enough where you can just bet outright and you don't have an issue with it. Um, if you're looking at props and overs and unders, the over 2.5 is also a nice line as well. Because as I said, I just, I can't see Ryan Spann coming out and finishing him. And if he does, I don't think it's going to be quickly. I think it'll be a Hail Mary punch towards the end. I think Smith has a has an amazing fight IQ. He's one of my favorite analysts and everybody should check that out. As you know, nowadays you have people like Tyron Woodley that are um, on the broadcast channels. You got Michael Bisbang, you know. Um, Anthony Smith isn't on that often, but when he is, the way he breaks down fights is something that I aspire to be able to break down fights like. Like, he is very, very intelligent in the way he looks at things, and you have to translate that into how he's going to be in the cage. Yeah, I can definitely fully see um, Anthony Smith winning this fight. He is going to have to weather a couple storms for sure in the beginning, and I think that's a common um, idea. But when you have that many rounds, especially rounds with Jones, and, you know, you just can't overlook these things. This guy has been able to hang and bang with some of the, the top caliber fighters, um, in the 205 division. So I think in this fight, he's going to weather a couple storms in the beginning. He's going to start to slowly implement his game plan. We're going to see that. And then he's going to start to take over. Um, well, I'm, I like just Smith as just maybe, you know, a soft parlay piece on a, a couple um, runs. 
really what I, I really like right now, and I've, I've taken a look at it, is Anthony Smith in the third or fourth round. Um, I think you're at, like, if you can get a combo of, like, even submission in the fourth, you're getting, like, plus 2,000. Um, there's some fun numbers out there for that one. I, I really do honestly see Anthony Smith finishing Ryan Spann in the third or fourth round. Um, that's where I'm going to stick with that one. If you really want to play it safe, I don't see it going the distance. Um, you could you could put, um, you know, not going the distance or even looking at under four and a half. Um, under four and a half is possibly, I think, the safest play on this. So we'll lock that in as under four and a half as the safest. Um, that's probably the way I, I think I would look at it. Um, if you want to look at the prop, look for a third or fourth round variation on how you want to do it with submission um, or TKO finish. Um, but if you want to play that prop a little bit safer, just stick with inside the distance, um, Anthony Smith. Okay, so just to recap everything, we have the first fight of the night. We have Hannah Goldie against Emily Whitmire. Uh, path to victory for Hannah Goldie is likely a decision. The play it safe bet on this one would just be straight up uh, over two and a half or even uh, fight goes the distance. You want to go for Hannah Goldie. That's the play, uh, you know, a mid play. Longer play is Hannah Goldie by decision. Um, definitely a good look. Like her in the plus money if it's still there for you. Uh, next is Gustavo, uh, Gustavo Lopez against Haile Elitang. I'm staying away from it. Don't really want to touch it. Our pick is Haile Elitang. Um, you might want to go for maybe an over-under on this. We're sort of just staying away from this one for the most part. Um, third fight of the night, we have Impa Kasangane against Carlston Harris. We're definitely on the Harris train with this one. Um, there's multiple ways to look at this. I think it's going to be violent. You could bet under two and a half, uh, but we're going to go with Carlson Harris as the dog. On top of that, you know, you could look at even a prop for a finish. You could go either way. That's up to you on that. And if you really want to go with your instincts on it, but I went with Carlson Harris, um, in the third round or Carlson Harris by submission. So both uh, Nick and I are pretty much on the same page with those picks. Look at the next bout of the night. It's Aaron Blanchfield against Sarah Alpar, which seems to be the easiest pick. Um, the numbers are probably pretty wide right now as far as picking her straight up. But I think if you went for Aaron, you know, Aaron Blanchfield, but you look at the idea of just the under, under two and a half, probably your best look on this one right now. Um, unless you want to go for something prop or the finish of submission by Blanchfield, that's out there as well too. Next fight, pretty simple pick. JP Bays, I don't see him winning this fight. Montel Jackson wins this fight, except right now the number's so, so stretched as far as adding him to anything. So if you haven't already when he was lower, I'd stay away from it. Um, you can look at props for knockout. Otherwise, maybe bet the violence, go under two and a half. Next, if we're looking at Zhu Rong against Brennan Jenkins, I'm really staying away from this one. You could bet violence. You could look at shooting for the underdog on this. Um, you know, I did throw out a degenerate underdog play on this, but really for the most part, um, I wouldn't put too much into that fight. Next fight in the card, we have Panny Keenzad against Raquel Pennington. We're going Rocky all the way on this. You can go straight up pick with where the lines are right now still. Um, the lines are pretty, you know, a little bit off for what I think they should be. Um, but I mean, an over or go fight goes the distance or even Raquel Pennington fight by decision. 
I mean, is still a safe prop bet. Uh, Tefan Enjigui against Mike Rodriguez. I'm on Tefan. I, I, you know, I think that Mike Rodriguez, um, we know that most people are on Mike Rodriguez with this one. Uh, I think Tefan does put him out. I'm putting him, uh, Tefan inside the distance or Tefan by decision, but for the most part, I'm staying away from it. I know Mike Rodriguez, um, Nick had Mike Rodriguez, I believe, by a decision or something along those lines. I could be wrong. Um, next, walking Buckley against Antonio Arroyo. Uh, we're all over the Buckley train. If the line is swelled too far, look at a prop for a finish. Um, I even actually went on a decision because I think you might grapple more than you think. And walking Buckley by decision, look for that sneaky one. Next, Nate Maness against Tony Gravely. Unfortunately, I could be on the wrong end of this one, but I'm going with the dog on this, Nate Maness. Um, we're looking at Tony Gravely by decision on, I believe, um, Nick's picks. Christos Chagos against Armin Zarukian. Uh, Zarukian by decision is probably the only play on this. The lines are swelled too far. Um, or sorry, Armin Zarukian by decision, yes, would be the play. If not, possibly even third round or third round submission. Mandy Baum, Arian Lipsky. Um, I'm going to go with the Queen of Violence on this. I think she will finally be violent. Um, I think she wins. For the most part, I'm staying away from it. But if that's the pick, uh, bet Arian Lipsky. Ian Gitalaba against Devin Clark. Uh, this one's a tough one. I think Devin Clark's durable. I think Ian Gitalaba is going to come in hard. Um, try to maybe bet an over. I, I'm not sure what the line is right now, but if you, can, I think it's over two and a half. I mean, that's a possibility, but there's just so many uncontrolled variables with the gas tanks and, and what how this could play out. Um, you can go straight pick, but we're, for the most part, staying away from this one. I know that Nick had went Devin Clark um, on that one, uh, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Next, we have Anthony Smith and Ryan Spann. I was really undecided for a long time. I don't really know why. Anthony Smith's going to win this one. Um, veteran, savvy, five rounds, it, it's over. Um, Anthony Smith, you could add him as a parlay piece, or you could just put as a prop straight up. So you'd be Anthony, Anthony Smith, um, potentially fourth round. I think we're sitting around plus 1,200. Um, or you could look at submission. You could look at a TKO, potentially. I just think that Ryan Spann's going to gas out in the third or fourth. So look for around the third or fourth, and maybe even fifth, Anthony Smith and look for the props around there and see how you could find what could make sense for you. But I think a third of the fourth, Anthony Smith puts him away. Um, you could also just be very safe on this one. Under four and a half is your safe play on this one. That wraps up the card. Look out for the PFL champions um, podcast. We're just going to break down the PFL coming up. And uh, for that, just be safe and don't break the bank. math that will you know happen after this show it's going to impact the city this country and everything in a big way what we've got here is failure to communicate